Hey guys, how are we getting on? Welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number five. And today is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be an introduction into the first episode of the segment called The Coach's Corner. And the reason why we're doing this is, is to provide a little bit of an insight as to the eyes and the lens of a coach. So for any coaches who are listening, you're going to find a lot of this very, very informational, a lot of nuggets of information today and, and as we go through this process. But also anyone who coaches themselves or doesn't have a coach, this is going to be very valuable for anyone that is going through these processes. So today is going to be the first part of that segment and we are joined by Adam Dowling and Mark Hodgson to talk about photo shoot prep. And they have a lot of experience um, in the industry already and it was a really, really good discussion and chat as to how to go about uh, a photo shoot prep from really from the, the very beginning in our evaluations um, as we go through from 12 to 16 weeks, 6 to 8 weeks, to 1 week out, to the day of the show, and then post-show as well. So it was a really interesting chat to get them on um, and to talk about this topic. So hopefully you guys do enjoy. I'm running a couple of photo shoots with a couple of clients at the moment. And it's something that I'm really interested in and starting to push more towards. So if there is anyone that is listening to this who would like to take on a photo shoot and to really bring their physique to the next level and to showcase their results, um, please drop me a message on Instagram or by email or something and we can we can talk about uh, the routes that we can possibly take or just simply message me with the word coaching and we can get you started. So Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Ho- hopefully you take a lot of value from this because I definitely did. And let me know what you think about the show. Hey guys, how are we getting on? Welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number five. And today we're joined by Adam Dowling and Mark Hodgson. And the topic that we're going to talk about is photo shoot prep, the what, why, when, and the how. So how are you guys today? How are we getting on? Hey Josh, how are you? Thanks for having us on. No problem. How was the... All good. The two Thank guys you, here have just finished up a, a seminar back in Dublin. How did it go, lads? Yeah, really well. We got um, some really good feedback off it as well. Um, everyone was happy with how it went. We were happy. So, what do you think, Adam? Yeah, no, it went really well. Um, excited now to run the next one, October 10th and 11th uh, for the next one. So, we done lower body hypertrophy and now we have like a full hypertrophy weekend um, now in, in October. So, yeah, got some really good feedback and I'm looking forward to, to getting the ball rolling and going again. Yeah, it looked absolutely great to be fair. Really nice setup and anyone who is listening who wants to learn a little bit about hypertrophy and health optimization is definitely something that I think that you guys should go to. So I'm sure that most people do know who the two you are and know as, as much about, the, about you as I do, but a little bit of an intro into who you are, what you do, etc. If Mark, you want to take on first? Yeah, so I am a one-to-one personal trainer here in Dublin um, in Fire Gyms, and I'm also an online coach as well. Um, I've been studying this for the last, you know, seven, eight years. I've been in the industry kind of the last three years. Um, and then I also competitive bodybuilds on the side as well. So that's pretty much it. Online coach, one-to-one PT, and I like to compete as well. So that's pretty much everything about me. And Adam, hit us. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the industry now, coming close to eight years. So I've been doing this a, a long old time. I'm yeah. full-time online coach. Uh, have a have an online business called Eddie Lee Coaching, specialising in online transformations, photo shoots, stuff like that. Um, competed a couple of times as well. Um, and looking forward to to just kind of the, the future of my training and my business. It's seems to be going well at the moment. I have a nice little. Uh, team here with Mark and Dermot that we're cracking into the seminars and, and we're just kind of moving in a, in a very good direction so yeah looking forward to coming on to speak today because now it's a topic that a lot of people are going to be interested in because it's something that I suppose a lot of people would want to do and just would like to know a little more of an insight into kind of how we how we do things. Yeah absolutely and this is going to be like an introduction to a segment that we're going to do on the podcast called Coach's Corner and to try to get coaches on to talk about topics that Come on day to day or else something like today's topic is going to be like a photo shoot where we prep for something and to get the inside and the, the coaching eye of a coach. Um, and I thought that no better uh, place to start than to have the two of you on to talk about photo shoots. How many shoots do you reckon you lads have, have done either with clients or, or by yourself? A good few, I say, at this stage. Anyway, definitely. Uh, yeah, probably for myself. At least seven with clients. One, yep. one myself. I've got 
one next Saturday. I've, I've, before the year's out, I'll have easily 13, 14. Nice. I'd say. Just with the amount of people I have lined up to do them, and I've, I've done seven rides so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be the same as that as well. And like Adam said as well, I have a few coming up now in the next couple of months. So by the end of the year, I'll have a good five or six more done as well. So it's exciting times ahead. Um, looking forward to, to seeing how everyone turns out. Yeah, absolutely. I think the both of you have a good, good experience in there. And um, I'm going to be probably running one myself as well, hopefully over the next little while, um, as long as I can keep everything going and then trying to get, get that experience myself to be able to um, replicate that to clients. And I think that that is a very good point to make. It's that kind of walk the walk, talk the talk. If you haven't yeah. been there and been through that yourself as a coach, so for any coaches who are listening, I think it is really important. And I think me and myself and Adam have been talking about this for the last little while about, I was kind of, would, would I, wouldn't I um, do it? But I think it is definitely something that everyone needs to kind of go through to be able to give points on at, at different periods in, uh, in the shoot. And that's kind of how everything's going to run. Is gonna, we're going to try and talk everything through from the very, very start to the very, very finish. So to, to get the ball rolling, really, um, starting points. So the main question that we need to look at, so we'll talk about it as imagine we're kind of coming into, imagine someone approaches you coming into a, a 16-week photo shoot prep, let's say, 12 to 16 weeks. So starting points, what do you guys look for in terms of starting points? Like what questions do you have to ask to make sure, are they actually ready to enter an aggressive dieting phase or an aggressive photo shoot phase? Well, Mark, I'll let you take this, somebody. <laughs> I can see how this oh, podcast yeah. is going to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when, when someone comes and say, they say, right, I want to do a photo shoot in 16 weeks. Um, there's a few things you have to look at. First of all, you have to look at kind of the composition they're already in and if it's realistic that they'll make it in 16 weeks and um, secondly you have to look at kind of the current calories and setup of the training and the cardio and stuff like if someone is on an extremely high output and very low calories and they come to you say looking to do a 16 week prep that's not going to end well because you're going to have to drop calories really low output is going to be extremely high and um, so if someone comes, I look for them to be on a decent amount of calories to begin with and their output to be, to be low because that is the ideal situation entering um, if, if prep, you know. And then you also have to take into consideration, like, do they like have done this before? What's their kind of lifestyle? Like, do they have a busy, stressful lifestyle? Are they going to be able to adhere to things or are they going to find it very difficult due to their workload, etc.? So they're the main things I would look at initially. Very nice. Adam, any, any other points that you want to add? Um, yeah, I think the physique analysis is a big one. For male and female, you have to be able to carry enough tissue to, to run through one of these phases. You know, if you, if you start off and you are what with that kind of quote-unquote like skinny fat where you are like small but you don't, you have a high level of, of body fat. When you strip that right back, like you always have to think like what, what's the end product? gonna look like um I, I do take it i also take a big look into their their support systems and um, we all know that whenever you run through any sort of an aggressive dieting phase one of the big things you need to have is, is a solid support system if they don't have a solid support system or if they're anyway emotionally unstable if they have bad relationships with food intake if they have ever had a previous um disorder with like emotional eating any sort of binging disorder they're, they're like red lights you have to look out for in the early phase because you always have to appreciate that your relationship with food is going to go down during a photo shoot prep. It's an aggressive diet. It, anything aggressive is going to take a toll, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. So you always have to make sure that they are like a solid individual to start off with because everything is going to decline. Now, of course, on the back end of everything and when you finish up your photo shoot, Everything can be rectified, but you have to appreciate that it's going to decline at some point. And if they're already anyway unstable, emotionally unstable, have a poor relationship with food intake, and you start adding in tons of restrictions, it's just going to make it a little bit, a little bit harder, I would yeah. say, to, yeah. to to make the progress go forward. Yeah, yeah, I think that that kind of touches on all, all points there, and it's just kind of breaking that down into into three step, three parts: the physical. Are we physically, do we actually, like you said, Adam, hold enough tissue? Do you, and I've had this conversation with you a few times with a couple of clients, like, 
are they actually ready if we do enter dying phase are do we have enough tissue to actually support the physique if we go into a, an aggressive dieting phase um, and then physiologically like what like a little bit more on mark said what is our recovery markers like what's our street, uh, sleep levels like what's our, our stress levels like what's our hrv what's our digestion all these kind of biofeedbacks we, you have to kind of make sure they're in a very good place to start because again like adam said the further you get into that the more aggressive it gets those are going to take a hit so if we have those at a nine eight nine ten out of ten level and they take a little bit hit to like a, a six or a seven it's okay but if they're fives and sixes when they come to us um, and then they get into a poor stage then it's going to be twos and threes then then we're in a really bad place and then the main thing that um, i want to touch on was the the psychological so do you have first of all well like 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 we said as well any poor relationships with food or anything like that but also on the other on the other spectrum do we have the mental toughness and I, I know i'm sure you guys know that it's a very selfish kind of thing to do and the same thing with competitions and and photo shoots they kind of similar enough in terms of what other has happened so what do you guys think about being that kind of point about being selfish and really devoting time towards it you have to do it you know look at the end of the day this is this is what's always addressed in the early phases you know it's going to be brought up you're, we're going to speak about it in the consultation if you tell me you're going to do a photo shoot like one of the first things i'll say is you know it's going to be extremely tough but what i always like to do with a lot of clients is say we're, we're we're we've been coaching for a couple of months and we we want to test the waters a little bit so i'll probably do a recomp maybe four weeks where I will put them into like the last two or three weeks of a photo shoot prep. I'll bring calories right down. I'll bring output levels extremely high and I'll push them to that limitation for two or three weeks. If they can withstand that and they can come through that singing and dancing, they're ready to go. If they have any sort of an income during that small little recon phase of four weeks, they're not able to run it. 16 weeks and it is a, it's a very mentally tough thing to do it's a very selfish thing to do you, you feel very isolated going through these things but then again you also have to look at the positives that you will achieve something that 99 percent of people could never ever do like if you look at anyone who's ever gotten into photo shoot condition or stage condition before it's an extremely difficult thing to do and like myself and mark proofs in the pudding with ourselves and our clients we know how to get ourselves in condition and then we know how to get our clients in condition because we know when to push we know when to pull we know when people aren't ready and to push them even harder and we know when they're getting ready to that the time is ready to to fire off and i think it, it comes with first-hand experience but it also comes with and this is just something i've had a conversation with somebody today it's it's actually having the balls to push people like a lot of coaches I feel are very reserved in their approach and are afraid to go against what is what we would call, you know, like low calories or, or high output levels, but you can't get in shape eating loads of food and you cannot get in shape doing little or no output levels. What just even if it's high step counts, you have to have some form of aggressiveness towards both of those approaches. So I feel it just comes down to, yeah, really having the, having the, Conies to actually push people to those extreme levels that they're, they're they're going to get they're going to get in shape. Where I feel like a lot of coaches kind of are a little bit on the backseat about that. They're afraid to push barriers and afraid to push those limits. Yeah, I think that that's something that I've kind of learned over the last little while is that most clients that that come to you, you have to think of why they've come to you. They have come to be in the best possible shape on that stage or in that photo shoot. Most of them, and nine times percent, that's kind of all the screening process and the experience and stuff. Most of them will run through a brick wall for you. So for you to be really soft and go, oh, yeah, we could probably push another day of cardio or we can drop food by 250 on that training day or something like this. And then if you to be a little bit soft, you're giving the clients a poor quality product then. You're not doing exactly what you need to do to get them in unbelievably good shape. And then, like you said, no one gets in, in extremely good shape by doing very little cardio and eating lots of food. That would be the ideal. That would be my ideal anyway. I could definitely say that. And in terms of like, um, Mark, I'll go to you on this one. Um, in terms of, let's say, if someone comes in the door to you and a new physique analysis, have a look at them, et cetera. If, you, if they say if everything's a, a green ticks, green lights across the board, sleep, stress, and recovery is in fantastic place, digestion, mentally we're in a good place, physically we have a lot of tissue, we have a lot of experience. They say, I want to run a 16-week photo shoot prep. How do you assess... Like, is that the right time frame? Or how do you assess time frames with them? Do you w look at them and say, okay, 
let's say for myself, for example, if you look to me, I was, I'm 81 kilos. You need to get him down to about 75 or, and then we reverse engineer everything back by rate of loss or how do you run kind of see, you have to, I'm sure you have this is that coach and I, where you see what, what's potentially in front of you, what's potential in the yeah. client's physique themselves. How do you kind of, how do you run that? A lot of it is just of a good eye for it. I suppose yeah. I, I can kind of tell by looking at someone how long we roughly need for a photo shoot. And what I also like to do as well is, so say they come to me and say they want to do a 16-week uh, photo shoot prep, I'd say, well, look, let's run the first two to three weeks and then set a date. You know, That's so good. you can really see how the body reacts to, how the, how the body reacts to the plan. You know, and you can see how they respond. And then when you see the first few weeks and how fast or slow the body responds, then you can be like, okay, realistically, this is what I think for a date. And then you set a date from there. Okay, nice. I like that. Like says, that that's not yeah. an approach I take. Hundred percent. So give give it a little test of waters over the first few, because as we know, some people respond very, yeah. very, very quickly and just like zap change from one to the other in a couple of weeks. Or some people yeah. might just give absolutely no response in the first four weeks. We've just kind of nailed down our understanding, especially if it's a if it's a client that we've never coached before. If they come in the door and you've never actually met them or never even coached them. It, it's hard to be aggressive in that first opening week. So that's why and I always talk about this is, is the longer you can stay with your coach and not coach hop and jump from one to the other, you're going to be able build up this unbelievably good relationship. So everyone knows each other's bodies inside out. Um, Adam, anything to add to that one? No, I think that's, uh, that's bang on. I think in the, in the initial phases, like Mark said, it's just test waters. You know, like, like, you know, what Mark said, we will put them through that two week diet. We'll see how they assess, but it's also, you know, can they actually, can they actually do it? You know, can, can they stand the diet? Are, are they going to emotionally or mentally break down in, in week one or two? And, you know, inside those first and initial weeks as well, it's just all about gathering data, you know, making sure that yeah. we have seen big improvements in their sleep. You know, I, I, I use the, the term like a, a priming phase where we'll just try and prime the physique and get it very responsive for the demand we're about to impose in regards to you know the calorie deficit or or increase in energy expenditure and when we have you know optimal digestion and we have really good sleep habits and seeing improvements in sleep scores and we're seeing improvements in hrv seeing improvements in blood pressure that's a really good indicator that you can push them but it's when i think we don't take that approach and we don't necessarily look at sleep stress management we look at all the protocols and biofeedback that then you try to push somebody they're not going to be responsive, you know, to make a body responsive, fix their stress, fix their sleep. Immediately you can change someone's physique by doing that. And inside those first couple of weeks, once you have that foundation laid down, you've made them responsive, but also it's about instilling trust from the clients to you as well, because you're basically giving them like a very early phase of, I can, I, I, I can do this. You know, I, I, here, here's my, here's my, Here's my approval that like what I say actually works. If you give them a stress management technique, a sleep technique, something to improve their blood pressure, and they see improvements straight away, everything is just on the improve for them. It just instills so much trust into you as a coach that as you begin to push them a little bit harder, then they say, oh, well, I'm going to believe him because look what he's done so far. He's improved so much so far. It's only going to get better. Yeah, you've built up that trust so they will literally run through a brick wall for you when okay. we get into it starts, that. It starts from day one. Just... Just everything you say, and look, everything doesn't work all the time. But if if yeah. you give them five protocols and three of them pull through, and you see improvements, that's a massive win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're starting off at let's say we've got all the green lights from the clients. Everything is in a good place mentally or physically, psychologically, and physiologically. We're in a good in a good place. 12, 16 weeks out, how do we start energy balance? How do we start output? Do we do run straight into an aggressive phase first? Or how do we start to, to run that out? Mark, we'll jump to you first. <laughs> yeah. So it depends if it's a new client or the client has been working with you previously. So if a client has been working with you, say, through a gaining phase, you already have that kind of base calories, et cetera, set. Yeah, you know, you already have the plan there, so then you know where you can start pulling from. Mm -hmm. You know, but if a new client comes, then you have to. What I would usually do is I would set, I would set kind of a, a baseline calories for the first, like we said, two to three weeks. Then we can see from there yeah. if 
if they hold at that or if they, if they drop fast or if they start to gain. And then from them initial two weeks, then you can manipulate being like, okay, they're dropping too fast here. Let's push things back up slightly because they don't need that rate of fat loss to be that fast. Um, or else if, if things are holding, then we can know, right, let's pull things back a little bit more. And then from there, that's a good start point to, to push on because you, you've already got a good indication of how they're reacting. Yeah, I think we, the key was there, you don't want rate of loss to be way, really aggressive at the beginning. Like yeah. if you're losing 2 3% body weight uh, every week, need to it's depending on the the physique depending on the size of the if we're the average joe kind of person um if we're losing two three four or five kilos a week need to pull that back straight away so i think it's that minimum effective dose maximum result keeping food skyrocket high as high as you possibly can the whole time as the journey goes because once we start to pull food we lose fullness we lose our ability to train lose our performance, performance. yeah in performance the gym and the that, that, try to hold on to yeah, that's, that's everything for us. So if we can't fuel at the beginning. So I think for all listeners or anyone who is running through this is, is to keep food as high as possible. No matter what we say, no matter what stage of, of this journey that we're going to talk about on, the end goal is to keep food as high as possible while eliciting the response that we're after. So in terms of our outputs, how do we like to run that? Do we like to keep that completely flat at the beginning? Let's say that we are starting to see 1% rate of loss a week. So we're losing 1% of, so for 100 kilos, we're losing um, one kilo, sorry, bad math by me, one <laughs> kilo a week. Do we just keep that running? Or let's say if we're losing 0.2, 0.3 kilos a week, would we be first to pull food or are we going to push, push out a little bit higher? Adam, how would you start yeah. that one up? No, I got output all day. Yeah. I think when we're looking at the, as well, you always have to put into consideration that you're, you're talking about a different breed of client here as well. You know, when you're looking at your average, just gen pop clients, their adherence levels to the plan, if they tell you they're 100%, they're 75, right? And you now have someone coming on board that wants to do a photo shoot whose adherence level is going to be 110%. So just even that differential in percentage of accuracy is going to hone a much greater response for fat loss. So they're always going to be a faster loser, 100%. Even if the plan is the exact same, just based on adherence levels alone, they're going to have a faster rate of fat loss. I would always favor, keep it, like Mark said, keeping food high to fuel performance, trying to utilize performance as one of the main driving factors in energy balance. Like one, one tool I feel people massively underuse in these dieting phases is the ability to consistently train at an extremely high level. People think because food starts to come down that their ability to maximize intensity has to suffer as well it shouldn't and if you can if you can do the first phase of your prep without doing any cardio while keeping steps at a minimum but training like an absolute animal you 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 will maximize energy balance 110% like what what's the difference between training at 60% and doing 15,000 steps per day versus training at 10 tra- training at 100% and doing 10,000 steps per day the energy balance could potentially be more training Probably, at 100%. 100%. Of course it will be because you're going to be utilizing more load. You're going to be utilizing more volume. You're going to be taking sets to complete failure. You're going to be using no reps in reserve. And that's something that I feel, which is why I really love Mark's methodologies behind training is because he, he focuses on performance. Like he, he focuses on getting you into a gym and putting you to 100%. And then everything else we focus on after. It should be training first. Then it should be like, I feel training, nutrition, output and th- those are the variables that we'll use and we'll play keep keep increasing intensity keep increasing frequency like i'd, I'd much rather give you an extra training day per week than give you two hours of cardio 100 percent. if we're looking at this from a body composition perspective what's going to benefit your physique more doing one cardio session or doing one training session 100 percent to train you know and, and if, if recovery is there and, and we can maximize one more session per week even if it's getting into the gym and doing arms and calves something that's small that's not going to really tax the the central nervous system it's going to benefit the physique more yeah absolutely mark would you add into that one yeah i think not just using that um hair training as a method of kind of digging into a deficit more but it's also going to keep you fuller it's going to keep the muscle looking harder you know it's not just we have to bear in mind it's not just a fat loss phase we're in we're trying to maintain as much tissue as we have, or that, that we can, you know. So if we let training slip and just let fat loss be the main focus, 
we're going to start to lose tissue as well, and we're actually not going to look as good as we could as if we kept performance high. Yeah, I really like that. Actually, it isn't. It isn't just that's what a lot of people think. Don't and the, the thought process is like do much more higher rep work. Throw. It doesn't matter if we're, we're in a deficit. We're going to lose strength. No, hold on a second now. From we the day one to sixteen weeks in, your goal is to maintain, if not improve, strength levels. Now we get to the very end stages and understand that performance is going to potentially drop. But every time you walk into the gym, it's be hold on to your logbook or do not lose a single rep because if you correlate that with like you said how hard our, our tissues look and or just tissue accumulation in general if we lose strength or we lose performance then we can kind of correlate that with losing tissue which is going to make us look poorer on the day i think that's actually a really nice way to think of it that dieting phase or what we're doing isn't just losing body fat it's maintaining as hard tissue as we can and the amount of tissue that we have I think that's really key. And one one person that comes to mind, AJ Morris, student. Uh, I don't know if you, but Adam, I think you've yeah. got Mark. I don't know if you follow him. Yeah, He's doing a prep at the moment hasn't done one drop of cardio. But him and Cuba, when you watch them train, like leaves nothing there. Yeah, and it just shows exactly. that like dictate energy balance with nutrition, train bloody hard, don't lose a rep, and look at his physique now. He looks absolutely insane at the moment. So, in terms just of... Say, just to touch on that, one more yeah. thing. And I want Mark to, to go on a little spoiler on this, but when it comes to the logbook during, during prep, because I know Mark has some really good insights on this and um, something we touched about on our podcast, do you want to just touch on that really quickly, Mark, about like, the relationship towards the logbook during, during prep days? Because I, I really like the, the insight you gave on our podcast. Into that. I think we're in dieting phases, the logbook will be our best friends because... It's very easy to walk into a gym one day and be fatigued and just not want to be there. And just it's very easy to just go through the motions. Um, but if you have a logbook and you, you look back at your previous session, you know what you're actually capable of and what you, what you need to aim, aim towards, what, your, what the numbers last week were. You know, so at least you have an indication that, like, and a little goal every time you step inside the gym, that you're not going to go through the motions and actually have that goal every single time. You know, but again, it comes down to a point in, in a dieting phase as well, as well as any phase, to be honest, that it's very easy to just try and load more weight on when you're using a logbook and not stimulating the muscle, just moving the weight for the sake of it. So even though we're in a dieting phase and we're trying to maintain or even build strength, it's very important that we're still actually stimulating the muscle and we're not just trying to move the weight around just to move away for the sake of it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I actually really, really like that one as well. Um, logbook being your best friend and, tr- and no- noting what you are capable of is really nice. Yeah. That's all, again, all this, the psychological benefits from stuff like that is, is huge. Um, in terms of nutritional setups, how would we run everything from a, a 12, 16 week out start, start day? We run, tr- again, completely client specific, I understand, but are we trying to do Again, probably something a little bit less aggressive, like either calories same across the board or something like a, a training and non-train day splits. Or how would you guys set everything up from the start for the average show? I understand completely it's client-specific, client but how do we run things? Um, well, I'll, I'll start this one. And I'll just give yeah. it a brief. I, I like to, especially in, in the early phase of dieting, I will always match intake versus load output. So if I have, say, a male who is a really strong puller and they can already have rack pull and deadlift serious load potentially they should have higher food intake based around those days if they're going to train legs and they're really strong in their legs we should also have load specific intake measures same with a female you know if you have a female going to the gym today and she's going to already have hip thrust and you have her going to a gym tomorrow and she's going to dumbbell shoulder press inside lateral raise if she can hip thrust 150 kilo and leg press 250 versus shoulder pressing 10 kilo and lateral raising 5 kilo the intake has to be specific to the load that they're going to use so inside the early phases especially i will have a lot of fluctuations of calorie intake and i'll have calories based on specific days that we're going to train so if you're going to do like a a, a ppl split we're going to do push pull legs and on pulling legs you have more load to be used i will give you probably you know medium carb push high carb pull high carb legs low carb on rest but just but just on the simple bias that from from an from a performance 
perspective. And again, we're just trying to maximize what they can do inside the gym. And we're, we're trying to maximize how efficient their training can be and effective their training can be. We have to give them the adequate fuel to allow that load to be used. Like we shouldn't have the same intake on a day you're going to lateral raise versus a day you're going to leg press as your primary movement, you know? So that's just how I like to set it up at a starting point as we dig deeper into prep, then just adaptations will, will come in. But I, I like to just set an initial, an initial nutritional setup. And then if we need to impose a demand, we'll move something around. But again, just, just try and keep it as, as consistent as possible and, and just try to try to run it as, as far as we can go. Yeah. Anything, any additions, Mark, to that one? No, that's pretty good. Um, I, I start off on basically, usually I start off with just a training day and a rest day. Um, and then like, as we progress and fat stores get lower and we get leaner and things get more kind of stubborn to, to move like fat, fat loss was, then I then I tra- transition sometimes into, like I said, stronger body parts. Know. Yeah, yeah. For, for um, obviously, you know, some days aren't going to require as much energy as or, as other days, as Adam said. So there's no need for us to be eating, you know, the same amount of food on a rest day as we are on a on a leg day. Mm. You know, so yeah, I, I like going for that medium high and, and low days as well. Yeah, I think that's a nice way always to run a training day, non-training day, medium high, low day, then under it uh, to make that change. And I remember when we did our, our uh, seminar or webinar, Adam. When you really look at the numbers, if we have like high car, or training day, non-training day to start, and then we simply just have that train day, a medium day, and then like our non-train day is, an, is a low-carb day, just by the influx and change in those numbers and just adding two days a week even that are going to be a non-train day, if you look at the overall calorie safe, like it's, I don't know, 400 grams of carbs on a train day um, and then 200 grams of carbs on a non-train day. And then if you simply do a medium day in for one of those, two of those days a week, then three of the two or two out of the four days are now changed 300. Then you, you make that change and the overall calories at the very end are going to be much, much lower just by simply changing the structure. So that, I think that's really important, which we're going to touch on a little bit later. But Mark, you touched on a point there saying when we start to plateau a little bit. So let's bring things into like, let's say six to eight weeks out now. We've done six hard weeks. We've made good quality changes, body composition is improving, we've reduced fat storage, and um, performance is still high, and then we simply just plateau, okay? We push cardio a little bit higher, <clears throat> we drop food a little bit lower, we change structure around to high, medium, low, still nothing. What are some of the strategies that you like to play then and there? And again, I know it's completely client-specific, but some, some of the strategies that you might employ there. Yeah, obviously that does happen sometimes where we just hit a wall and regardless of what changes are made, nothing, nothing will happen. You know, so you have to look at, I think this is where it's good to, for the, the feedback markers, you know what I mean? Such as, you know, sleep, stress. Um, when you can track everything like that and you can, you can see them in front of you, you can, if things plateau and stall, a lot of the time it's because markers are starting to slip. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can kind of set, if we kind of if we can refocus and concentrate more on them for for a couple of days, a week or so, and and kind of improve on them, usually things start to move along pretty fast again. As well, I also find that taking sometimes two two three days rest when we hit that point where we are plateauing, I think two days two to three days full rest from the gym can really alleviate kind of inflammation, stress, reset the mindset. Mental and then health. when you go back into the gym, then straight away, your body is ready to go again. Your mind is ready to go again. Like without even realizing you're going to push harder, you know, you're going to have more energy. And then again, that's another way I find that keeps things pushing forwards. Kind of taking one step back to take two mm. steps on. Yeah. And then pull, pull an output. And then another one, I, I think that either you might, probably uh, pitch in there in a second is running something like a, a refeed or a little diet break would, would you guys employ those at all around six to eight weeks out depends if they need them like what mark said what well, mark, mark just basically said that he's going to make the body responsive again he's going to he's going to fix their sleep he's going to fix their biofeedback and he's going to give them a break but but also the most important thing i think about that is that mark would mark mark always has people ready early 
right? Same as myself. We, we never like to, to run people, like push to the finish line. If Mark has somebody early and they're starting to plateau a little bit, he can happily give them two or three days break from the gym. You know, give them a little bit of an increase in calories because he he's so confident in his ability, he knows they're ready. Same with myself. I know if you start to hit those plateau markers, um, I think there's a big, big differential between being fatigued and being um, being fatigued and being needing a, a refeed as well. Yeah, yeah being flat. Um, yeah. If, if you do show signs of proper fatigue, central nervous system fatigue, adrenal fatigue, then like Mark said, you, you have to implement those little breaks away from the gym. If you need a, a refeed, that that's a different kettle of fish altogether. You know, your yeah. basically metabolic demand versus input is off. And sometimes when we make adjustments too quickly, we have basically brought intake level down way past metabolic demand. And that's when refeeds will have to come in. But structurizing refeeds only when you need them. I think one of the, the big misconceptions that people have when they're on a prep is they're afraid to, to run calories too low and they think they need a refeed. If you're still losing weight and you're still training at a pretty decent level, you don't need to be refed. You really don't. It's when you go extremely flat, like flat to the point that you wake up in the morning and you physically cannot contract your bicep. You need to be refed. If you can still go on, if you can deadlift 200 kilo and you walk into a gym tomorrow and deadlift 190, you don't need to be refed. If you go into a gym tomorrow and still turn arms and get a pump, you don't need to be refed. It's when you're at that extreme level of being flat. But then again, this is when chasing condition can, comes in. You know, in, in the latter stages, if you're five, six weeks out, you are going to be flat 100%. You cannot stay full for that long and be in, in, in condition. So I think when we're looking at imposing those said principles, it really is it's just extremely specific to exactly what condition the client is shown and response the client is shown. If they're showing adrenal fatigue, like Mark said, they need to they need a break. If they're showing signs of like extreme flatness where they physically cannot contract, just the glycogen stores are just completely depleted, they need to be they need to be refed. But then also if the rate of fat loss stops, they're still training at a high level and they can still get a pump, metabolic demand is not meeting input levels. Okay, I think that's actually a really, really good point that she made there. And just noting when what you're trying to actually do um, with refeeds and, and little training breaks. Um, Adam, you and me talked about it during the week. And just, again, the importance of, of tracking HRV will really dictate that for you. And again, we're going to do a podcast on this soon. But just being able to track that and note when your recoverability, when you're really so sympathetically driven that you're not actually able to train to the ability. and like I said at the very beginning, performance is everything. And I think we'll all agree on that one. Once you start to lose performance, then it's probably going to be that we're either overtrained or else we're not able to, to meet the demands and we're under-recovered probably is more, is more than being underfed, I think would be the right, right way to go about it. And just kind of touching on that, on that sympathetic level as well. Whenever you're in a, in a dieting phase, you're going to be sympathetically driven a lot of the time. Yeah. It, it really boils down to a fact of, you know, like, like Mark said, just re-establishing stress management techniques or using a different approach. If you are doing cardio in the morning time, you're going to be sympathetically driven. There's nothing wrong with being sympathetically driven. And I think people have a, a big misconception of this. When you're in a sympathetic state, your demand of energy and energy expenditure becomes higher. So if you're looking at trying to lose fat faster, we should be pushing more sympathetically driven during certain times of the day. It's when we cannot combat that sympathetic drive and push us back into parasympathetic state that's when a big issue lies. If you're utilizing any sort of a variable like your himbine, anything that's going to drive sympathetic levels even higher, your approach to stress management has to be even bigger. And when you're looking at, like Mark said, reestablishing those levels, you're just, you're just reestablishing your ability to become parasympathetically dominant again and, and having a really good ratio because for a lot of people, we push like stress management techniques so much. But then again, we have to understand that being stressed increases energy balance. The more, the more you can nearly argue, the more stressed you are, the more weight you're going to lose. In a sense, because if you do cardio, really highly driven and sympathetic dominance. If you utilize a tool, a tool like your himbine, it's going to just spiral you into sympathetic dominance. If you train, sympathetic dominance. If you do high output levels, sympathetic dominance. But it's about knowing when to make that flip of the switch, utilizing a really effective tool like ashwagandha, something that's going to just really make that autonomic nervous system switch that you can just fire back and forth. But that comes again from that 
initial priming phase of actually teaching them like really effective levels of how to make that switch. But also, like Mark says, when they're showing those signs, pull away from the gym, pull away from cardio, pull away from everything that's driving that sympathetic response. Once they utilize back in that parasympathetic response, as soon as you input those variables back in again, they're going to be able to, to have a healthy counterbalance. Because like I said, don't think sympathetic balance is bad. It's not bad. It's really good in a fat loss phase, but it's about having that seesaw effect of being able to jump back and forth between the two. Yeah, really, really, really good point, actually. I think people are just the old sympathetic, parasympathetic has blown up now over the last, what, year or two or something, and everyone's talking about it, talking about this or the other. People are so scared of, because we know that if we have to, if we're going into, we're talking about it all day, performance and PBing and trying to push performance in the gym, that is sympathetically driven. So we can't stay away from it. But as you said, it's a really nice, actually, a visual tool for the listeners having that seesaw of parasympathetic and sympathetic and just knowing how to how and actually when to push the both like we need to flip on we need to get sympathetically driven to get into the gym and keep performance high but then tools like you said ashwagandha guided breathing meditation and um, all these kind of things are going to help us be able to calm the nervous system straight after um, in terms of uh, volumes and intensities, as we go through, and again, each coach their own, every trainer to their own, individual specific, do we start to taper? Because we know volume is going to be, high vo- higher volume approach is going to potentially create more of a, um, a negative recovery demand uh, on the body. So do we taper anything coming in kind of from, from the difference between 16 to six to eight weeks or closing in do we taper that or how, how do we run, how would we make that decision to taper something what would be a red flag there um i taper volume if it's needed not just for the sake of it like i don't have a rule that if we get to like six weeks i'll start to taper it i'll only taper it if the clients is showing signs that they need a taper so if recovery is really getting hit whereas like we're going into sessions and strength is taking a big hit all of a sudden. You know, then we realize that we are not recovering between sessions anymore due to calories being low, you know, recovery being poorer than it has been. So then I would make then I would start to pull volume a touch. So maybe I would start to pull out any intensity techniques such as like rest pause sets, drop sets, anything like that I have in, I'd maybe pull them out and just go more kind of stray sets. Um and then even towards the latter stages, I would even start to pull a working set out here and there just to really pull volume back and actually allow them to recover between their sessions. Mm. But only if it's needed because a lot of people can't just go right through and be absolutely fine. Absolutely. Adam, anything to add to that? No, I think that's spot on. Just based on their recovery, you know, what, what they can recover from. You're, you can only train as hard as you can recover. And when people are going through those dieting phases, one of the big aspects it's just naturally going to occur your 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 recovery rate may may suffer and again as well probably a good point to touch on now is a lot of people think that going through these phases there's so many like magic formulas that we use and training adaptations and and nutritional adaptations just adherence yeah consistency and adherence like mark you and i both know like we've both ran people through dieting phases before where nutritional changes are minimal where output oh. levels may, may may change at times but for a lot of the time like what we're, we're basically speaking about these adaptations of cases where people don't respond but mm. if you have a correct setup people are going to respond and Very as well a lot, a lot of the time response is based on the client not on the coach you know are they being adherable to the plan are they actually doing the cardio are they actually sticking to their food intake so when it comes to training adaptations, it shouldn't change. What builds the muscle keeps the muscle. Like Mark said, sometimes intensity can can differ. I do like to make some some minor adjustments to training protocols coming into the latter phases. I know there's a lot of studies showing that like blood flow restrictive work in the latter phases can help keep um, really good supply of nutrients to the muscle. So if you're looking at a male using some BF4 work on biceps and triceps can be really helpful for females using BF4 work on quads and hamstrings can be very helpful just to add more nutrient value to the muscle in that latter stage. Because of course, when nutrient value is in a deficit anyway, we need to be consistently supplying that demand of, of glycogen to, to, the, to the muscle. Sometimes that can, that, that can drop off a little bit in that latter phase, introducing something like BF4 work for, for males, 
it will just be like Mark said, if we need to take away from like, if you're doing a hack squat and you're doing a rest pause set and you push that rest pause set back to a single set, then I could potentially maybe add one or two sets onto their bicep and tricep work at the end. Yeah. But I'll only ever add on that little bit of volume, like Mark said, if, they, if their recovery has, has suffered on the big sets. If they're recovering fine, the big sets, they don't need to have any more work added in. Let's just keep, keep the big sets doing what the big sets do. Yeah, big time. And I think that you said something really good there. We you create enough of a change in output, etc., <clears throat> um, or energy balance that's going to create a response. I think that's something that a lot of people get worried about is changing something every single week. And I think that that like we need to be able to just back your back yourself and back adaptation to occur. That we make it. We don't want to be for yourself as a coach, but also for the client. They don't want to have to be changing their nutrition program or the nutrition plan and training plans every single week and volume here, more intensity here, all over the place. It's trying to do actually as little as you can as a coach to create the best. It's that minimum effective dose, maximum results. Trying to do as little change as possible to the plan, ideally from day one to the very end. Now, that will probably never happen. Um, but ideally, you want to change nothing from 16 weeks out to day one. Now, of course, that will have to change as we go through. but Think of that if for any listeners who are coaches out there, minimum effective dose, maximum results is the key, the key to all that. So in terms of we're one week out, about to have our shoot, how do we um, how do we run things in terms of food, cardio, volumes, intensity, such like we talked about there, and water intake, sodiums, any of those that you'd like to touch on? We'll jump into Mark first. Yeah, so training was the last week. Simply I just won't go anywhere near failure. So, um, I think that, sorry, one, one thing before you, you start as well is that you want the, and you both said it, you want the client ready to go a week out, don't you? Rather than yeah. trying to trying to really scramble and go, shit, we need to drop two, three kilos here of fat quickly. Ideally, ideally two weeks out because yeah. you, want, you want to be able to safely run a refeed protocol yeah. about two weeks out. You know, the, the day before the shoot, if like, you you are you you're giving them at the moment on a high carb day 300 grams of carbs and you say to them right okay let's maybe push that to 500 for mm-hmm. maybe two days before and let's see if you spill over or let's see if you, if you tighten up i have a girl avian at the moment who is shooting on sunday and we're, we gave her like a double refeed last week spiked carbs up to 900 grams of carbs over the two days and was i was gonna say as tight as a button that's not an analogy is it I would say it's tight. She was tight. She was as tight as a button. She was, <laughs> she was, making, up, making up analogies there. Man. I know, I know. She, was, she, she just woke up the next day super, super dry. Yeah. Then again, if we would have spilled over, we had time to rectify. Do you know, We, we had time to, to make up our ground. So we know now, two days out, we can spike her up to 900 again and she's going to wake up today with a photo shoot looking absolutely unbelievable. Hmm. Huge point there for, again, any coaches that are listening. Get there early so that you don't have to pa- it's panic stations because then they look, the clients are looking in the mirror. It's one week out when we're trying to calm everything down and be in as good shape as we can, where they're panicking and ridiculously sympathetically driven, anxious and stressed about everything, where we want to be on the other side. But we'll jump back in. Mark, what were you going to say there about volumes, intensities, water manipulations, etc.? Yes. Yeah, so obviously, like we said, a week out, we want to have everything off and we want to be just kind of cruising in. Yeah. So the last week, I was started to taper cardio down. So, say for example, we've been we've been doing an hour cardio a day. Like I'll, I'll pull that back to maybe forty five, thirty five, twenty five. You get me as the, as the week progresses, just to kind of alleviate some stress. And as well with training wise, we don't want we don't want them having to recover from sessions. Yeah, we're not really trying to create any kind of muscle damage that week. We're just trying to move glycogen around and kind of stimulate the muscle. So in the sessions, I, I'd, I'd stop like two reps short of failure on any on on exercise, just so we're not actually breaking down the muscle. Yeah. If you're breaking down the muscle that week, it's just going to cause inflammation and detail is going to be skewed. You know what I mean? So um, then in terms of food, again, that's really person dependence. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Sometimes... Sometimes I will, I will run people straight through on their current intake. Sometimes I will, I will front load them. So I will start, you I'll, I'll utilize higher carbs earlier on the week and then kind of taper it down as the week goes on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and other times I will start to, I will utilize higher carbs the day before and two days before. Yeah. So it really is, there's no one size fits all. It's just dependence on how each person reacts to carbs. Is there a reason, a little bit. Yeah. Is there a reason for front loading? What would be the difference between a front loading or, or back loading carbs? Yeah. So I find if I have a client who really holds water from carbs, yeah. um, so you'll know, obviously, as, uh, as you, run through, you run through a photo prep, you'll get to know their, their body as the weeks yeah. progress. So if you, if you realize that, well, then maybe front loading at the start of the week, they'll be very full, but they'll be slightly watery. Okay, so as the week progresses then, the water will start to come off, but they're still pretty full from, from them carbs at the start of the week. Hmm. And then come the end of the week, the fullness is still more or less there, but they're dry again because the water retention is gone. Okay. You know, whereas whereas some people, like personally for me, when I'm doing a show, if I load up on carbs the day before, um, my waist blows out, I, I get watery. Whereas if I say I have carbs earlier on in the week, kind of higher amounts and then kind of taper down, then I'm still pretty full, but I'm even tighter then come, come the day. Okay. And then That's very people, like you said, if, if you backload someone or carbs towards the end of the week, like just before the shoe, um, they be people that you know respond very well to carbs where straight away they'll fill up they'll get harder but they won't hold much water mm. so there's different there are different types of clients where you have to be careful on which way you, you feed them carbs very good okay I actually never knew that I'd probably be on the same one as you I find that I know most people think oh, when they eat carbs they look so much fuller and etc I always find I hold a lot more water directly the, day, the days after so that would be probably the reason why there and jumping into kind of water intakes adam how would you run those the last seven days would you keep it all the same would you taper it or would you front load back load etc depends on the very 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 dependent on the approach being used if you are running diuretics then a, a different approach will have to be used based on the amount of diuretics you're going to use if you're going to manipulate sodium if you're going to manipulate potassium depends on, on the on the um it, it very much so depends on the amount of food you're going to intake as well we always have to appreciate the fact that sodium will make the kidneys secrete more water if they are in a surplus of of sodium so just kind of t- taking it back a little step a, a really good tool to utilize to really understand the the ratio the sodium that your clients are taking is using a chronometer a chronometer is a tool that can track every single element of food intake, macro and micronutrients. So if you utilize a, a chronometer for the last two weeks of their prep and every single thing they're intaking, you'll have a, a very detailed outlook on their sodium and potassium ratio. So that will give you a really clear indication of where you can push that to. If, if they're utilizing a high sodium diet already and their sodium is 120% of their 100% capabilities, you don't have to manipulate sodium intake because they're essentially already in a surplus of sodium, which means their kidneys are already beginning to secrete water. If they're if they eat like a, mod, a moderate sodium intake, but then the foods they're intaking are is high in sodium, again you have to factor that into consideration. Sodium and potassium are things in the last week that have to be rectified and you have to understand the amount that's being used because they play a massive role in water retention and water secretion if you had a high potassium ratio your adh which is your antidiuretic hormone is going to increase which will hold the body from letting water go if you have a high level of sodium it's going to increase a hormone called aldosterone that's going to secrete water so you essentially in the last week want to have a higher ratio of sodium to potassium because you want the body to be secreting water but you have to know the levels before giving them any sort of an indication of where to go with that so if two weeks out, we utilize the chronometer, we have our, our data running in. If we are 60% capacity of sodium intake and we have a healthy balance, then we know we can increase that sodium, push it up to maybe 110, 120. Now there's probably about a 50% differential in higher sodium to potassium. So we can utilize higher water intake because the more water we intake, the more water we're going to flush. If sodium intake is higher, we know aldosterone is going to be higher. When aldosterone is higher, we can handle more water and that flush effect is essentially going to happen. I like to always base it on food intake as well because of course, if we have really high food intake at the start of the week and lower water intake, 
then our sodium level is going to be really, really high. We're going to be flushing a ton of water, but it's going to be very little water coming in. So we want to try and keep food high, water high. So like Mark said, if you're going to front load water, you're going to front load food intake, front load water. If you're going to back load food intake, back load water. You know, if you have higher food intake coming towards the end of the week, I'd probably you utilize higher water intake just to keep that sodium relationship healthy. Um, and again, it's extremely specific to, to the client themselves, but just keeping keeping daily track of it, keeping keeping a I like to use like a day to day approach. I think for a lot of clients, if they receive like a, a pre a peak week protocol, and you start to change the protocol, it can increase stress levels. Mm-hmm. As the last couple of weeks dial in, you're going to be checking in with your client every single day, regardless. From four weeks out, all of my photo shoot prep clients have to send over physique pictures every single day, have to send over nutrition intake every day. From two weeks out, have to send over chronometers and readings every single day because we have to know the data. And every single day, it's just going to be manipulate, manipulate, manipulate. Food intake, manipulate. Water intake, manipulate. Sodium intake, manipulate. Because that's essentially how you're going to get them to the final because you, you can manipulate based on how they look how they feel. And you'll know as a coach, you'll know when water is starting to come away or if they're holding more water. Utilizing certain things in the final week that's going to alleviate stress as well, like yohimbine, yohimbine or any sort of tool for fat loss should be pulled out, I feel, one week out. It's going to increase sympathetic response, something we don't want in the last week. But also, yohimbine can hold molecules of water to circulate it around the body. So anything that's going to help that little bit of water manipulation in the final week is also, um, is also very important. Yeah, very good. Really good points on those two lads. Um, so the hard, the hard yards have been done. <clears throat> Everything's been done. We've got ourselves. We've woken up that morning. Peak day of the shoot. Let's say it's around. Usually shoots are what 10, 10 11 a.m. You'll try to get them kind of out of the way earlier. Earlier, um, they're gonna be tired, hungry, dehydrated. Six a.m. <laughs> say earlier than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, what, what did you shoot on the weekend? Mark, Mark had a photo shoot on the weekend. What did you? What time did you run? Eight and a half, six a.m. A.m. Six to a.m. Yeah, I have. I have seven a.m. on Sunday. Hope you got a couple of naps in after Mark to not ruin your sleep cycles. Yeah, <laughs> I sure <laughs> anyway, did. Um, so let's say we're we're in a, we're in at six thirty a.m. Apparently, um, how do we run those? Is it like? Water, food intakes, are there little kind of tricks that you guys have on the day that you like to run? Again, of course, completely client-specific, but is there anything that, that you kind of do differently or, or would interest the listeners as how to run it out? The work is, is pretty much done on the day of it. Like, basically, what I try and do is, like, say if, it, if, it's, a, if it's at 6.30, they'll only have one meal before. Mm-hmm. And in that meal, like, we want to keep volume very low so stomach won't be distended and stomach will be tight. You know, so the, the least amount of food in the stomach before a shoe, the better it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just go for a mixture of very low protein as, you know, don't need as high protein as we, as we did a couple of days previous. So very low protein um, a carb source, some slow, some fast digesting carbs and a fat source as well is what I usually go with. Um, but very low amounts of each and something that we know digests very easy with the clients. I'd usually have that 90 minutes or so before a shoe. Um, and then that's pretty much it. Go get a pump on. Um, and obviously with that first meal, I'd, I'd wash it down with some water as well so the carbs can actually be utilised. Yeah. Nice. Adam, anything well, like different? I said, other... No, 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 jump in, jump in, finish what you're going to yeah, say. No, I was just going to say that it's, that's the work done on... on yeah, photo shoot there, you know what I mean? So we try to do as little as possible um, other than get a pump and then enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same. Just something that they've had all along, but yeah, a really good tool that Mark, Mark has taught me. And one of the last photo shoots that i that I done was with, with the water intake. Say we're going to taper down water for the last week or we'll bring water up, bring water back down. Usually the day before, water is going to be a little bit less than what it would have been. Just to try and break your water up per meal. So if you're having like a litre of water over five meals, it's obviously like 200 mils with each meal. And then the day after, try to keep your water intake per meal replicate for that day. So if you're having two meals before a shoot, the day before you had 200 mil per meal, try to replicate that with the same meals. But usually if it depends on when the shoot is. And again, you'll know from the day prior, like if you know the day before, usually you're not going to try and right? Because it's a day of rest or... Again, what Mark told me was try to give them at least a day to two days rest 
prior to the prior to the shoot. So if you're giving them, say, yes, we're on a trial, you're going to give them two rice cakes with jam, 15 grams of whey, and 10 grams of almond butter. If you give them that the day before and they blow, they find it hard to contract the muscle, you know it's not going to work. Yeah. These things always have to be trialed. And this is why I'll, I'll utilize things like two weeks out, the, the, the trial run, you know, to get them ready for the shoot. We'll also utilize the day of the shoot. We'll trial run the day of the shoot. I've trial run dry out processes before. I found it worked a treat as well. I found it worked really, I, I don't know what it was, Sarah Jane for horseshoe. I found it was, it was unbelievable because we knew how our body responded. And making sure that they come out of that rehydration process successfully, you can get them back on track. You can re, re, re-establish every single level back in the body and press on again. You just know that you're in for a win and just being prepared, no guesswork, every single T crossed, I dotted, it's the best way to, to know you're going to hit the nail in the head. Yeah, I think that's the key is that you, you guys have both tested it out weeks before. You know what digests well. You know what food is well. You know what you're going to do with water. You, know, you just know before. It's like you're envis- envisaging it in your head before it's going to happen. So you know it's going to run smoothly. And just in terms of being able to give that to the clients going, oh, yeah, we're going to do two rice cakes with jam and peanut butter. Remember you did that two weeks ago and you looked unbelievable. It's reinforce, reinforcing that, I'm sure, is just like a mental trigger for them going, okay, Adam or Mark really knows what, what they're doing here. They have my back here. They really know what they're going to do. So in terms of, I'm not going to keep you much longer, lads. I'm going to do one more little bit. The work's done. We've got down to this really, really, really low level. We know it's not healthy to be down there. So how do we kind of eject ourselves out of there? How do we get out there in a clean, safe um easy way to get through and looking at those kind of three p's at the beginning are physical psychological and then um physiological aspects as well i think it's very important to like when you have a goal of a photo shoot um i think that's your main goal for you know the previous months prior so after that it's very easy to get kind of get lost you have no goals you have no kind of focus so i think straight after that I think it's very important to kind of set new goals, whether that be, you know, um, some sort of gaining phase or like setting maybe um, numbers you want to hit in the gym and certain exercises. At least it's some sort of focus for you to work towards because your focus of the photo shoot is now gone. You know, so, and then, then field wise, it just depends on on the client. Like, ideally, I'd like to bring field up slowly. um, But again, Mentally, some clients may not be able for that after after an aggressive dieting phase. So we may we may have to bring field up, straight back up above maintenance, if because if we don't, and they go and binge and go off plan anyway, what's the point? You know what I mean? So we if if we know they they're going to do that because obviously they have to communicate. If they feel like that's going to happen, we may as well just bring calories straight back up to yeah. prevent that happening in the first place. You know. So again, it depends where the client's mindset is at after the shoot. Um, and then that's how I'll go about adjusting food from there. But I try and creep things up slowly most of the time. Nice. Adam, anything to add something? Yeah, no, I think Mark hit the nail on the head. It's extremely client-specific. You know, myself and Mark, extremely robotic in our ways. We love meal plans all year round. We love structured training all year round. If someone said to us, listen, after your, after your photo shoot or after your show, you can have three weeks of no meal plans, we wouldn't respond to that. We wouldn't, we wouldn't enjoy that. It's extremely, extremely client dependent. And if a client loves structure, keep their structure. If they have found it a little bit difficult with the structure coming towards the end, I do like to use an approach of kind of no restrictions, but controlled calories. So you can give them say 1300 calories a day, the last couple of weeks of their photo, whatever it may be. You can bring that up to 1450, 1500 calories, but have zero restriction around their food intake. They've no restrictiveness around carbs, fats, proteins. They can, you know, tomorrow morning go for a breakfast with their mom. Tomorrow, the next day, go for lunch with their dad. The next day, go for dinner with their boyfriend. If it's all controlled in that 15-calorie perimeter, energy balance is still the same, but there's no restrictions. And after two or three weeks of that, you can start to reinstill restrictions again, but energy balance is still energy balance. You know, we, we just like to keep it a very, very controlled approach in dieting phases because we as the coaches are in control we know what goes in we know energy balance what comes out when you come away from that 
that restrictive nature ha- can can come away for some people if they need it. And I think that the biggest thing as well is like your support system back to you so much throughout these phases, right? So your family, your friends, your relationships, your partners, your your workmates, you have to give them the time back. You know, this is why I think you using a like calorie controlled but no restrictive approach is very good because if your girlfriend has been extremely supportive of you, like you owe her the time back. And at the end of the day, body composition and all these things are just just a goal right it's not your life it's not your your end all and be all but i've I've, i have one thing in my business that i stand by is we have we focus on body composition we focus on health and we focus on relationships with family and friends i will never let body composition come in front of health and relationships with family and friends so when we run through these dieting phases you have to give those people the time back you have to that's why having that two or three week period where you just have a calorie number to hit and you can spend time, go out for dinner, go out for a few drinks, whatever you need to be. It's still in a controlled manner. It's energy balance is still energy balance, but you're respectfully giving them time back. From a mental health standpoint, that bit of a breakaway is needed. From a, a rebuilding of relationships, from keeping that support system, because again, people always get bitten by the bug. And anyone who's done a photo shoot will always says, I want to go again. The best experience ever, I want to go again. If you neglect your support systems, not a hope in hell you're going to go again. Because they won't allow it. So, I just think having a little bit of a less restrictive approach, setting calorie numbers, but giving back to the people who, who back to you the full way is the most important thing. I think that's a perfect way to wrap up the podcast, Last That was really, really, really good. Very, very informational. Went through kind of top to bottom and ran through re- pretty much everything, leaving no kind of stone unturned. Um, a lot of nuggets for all the listeners to listen to. So, Thank you both for coming on. Um, if you want to give listeners just uh, uh, where they can find you on Instagram, etc. Yeah, so my Instagram is Mark underscore Hudson underscore. And then if there's any inquiries for a coach or anything, my email is markhudsontraining at gmail.com. And um, that's pretty much it. I have a website up and running in the next couple of weeks as well. So um, that's where you can find me. And Adam? Yeah, I'm AD Lee coaching on Instagram. Um, and that's probably the best way to find me. If you go onto my page, you have all the links for, for coaching applications and stuff as well. Um, myself, um, we're, we're doing the, the seminar, as you all know, in October. Mark is going to be a guest speaker and a head coach on the day um, of, of the seminar, just like we've done the last time. So the, the whole kind of approach of this podcast, I'm really happy that how it went. And, you know, we definitely gave a lot of insights. And the, the seminar itself is going to be about muscle building, but also everything we spoke about in regards to health markers, biofeedback, full health optimization. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the approach. So, yeah, thanks for having us on, Josh. It was a pleasure, dude. Yeah, guys, Cheers, if Josh, anyone is good. listening to this and they're a coach or just a phys- fitness enthusiast, you have to get down, have to get down to that. I think there's a couple of tickets left. Um, I think Adam was saying off air. But if you are listening to this and you haven't got a ticket, make sure you get down there. So thank you so much, lads. Appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll get you on again soon. Cheers, Josh. Thank you.